Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to my podcast, Mindful Drinking for Women, which is about exactly what it sounds like. I help women get unobsessed with drinking alcohol by getting really honest with themselves about why they are over-drinking in the first place, and to replace harmful drinking habits with empowered mindfulness, being aware of yourself which includes the ability, having the ability to drink less or to choose not drinking at all. With grace and ease is the name of the game. Hi, my name is Jessica Betancourt. I'm a certified life coach and hypnotherapist, and I specialize in addiction transformation for women. I work with my clients on understanding how your subconscious beliefs about yourself, other people in the world are keeping you from getting total freedom around drinking, being around alcohol without feeling like you have to have it. So I also help you understand that these thoughts are, that sound um, something like, I have to have a drink, or it's the only way I can manage stress or life, or it's how I relax, that those thoughts are not true. They are justifications and rationalizations that just keep you active in a habit that is no longer serving you, but that you have the ability to transform and to create into something that feels really in alignment with who you are and who you believe yourself to be and what kind of life you want to create for yourself. So in this episode, I'd love to share some more with you about the evolution of my drinking habit from hardcore wino to sober, curious industry innovator in the mindful drinking movement. How did that come about? So in the prior episode, I was describing my descent into the vampire lifestyle, and I made a, a comment that I just would like to clarify that I said I went stone cold sober at the age of 27 when I had a nervous breakdown. And I did do that. I put down any type of drugs that I was messing around with, all the Frenet cigarettes. I did stop at the drop of a hat um, for mental health reasons, but it's not like I just stayed sober uh, at 27 and now 41. I'm just now deciding to talk about it. Um, that period lasted for about 18 months, and then I was back to the bottle. So fast forward to my early 30s. I had managed to you know, create a life on purpose somewhat that looked and felt good to me. I had degrees of higher education. I had progress and achievement in the art world. I had met and married my husband, started my own business as a health coach, and had four kids in seven years. So that's a lot. And that, you know, goes to prove just because you're drunk doesn't mean that you're not a go-getter. So I had decided that nightlife, however, being out all the time, had really lost its appeal, since, you know, married with a bunch of kids. But the desire to keep drinking did not go away. I was still drinking every day, except for um, bouts of pregnancy. I was habitually drinking all the time. And I had managed to modify my identity to be a wine-only drinker, because that felt, you know, classier. <laughs> and I had also convinced myself that wine must somehow be good for me. I said it was good for my digestion, it helped me lower my blood pressure, it was a stress reliever, it was full of antioxidants. I really bought into and like owned that story. And while some of these things might be truish, they were probably not congruent with drinking four to six glasses per day. 
And that's how much I was drinking habitually every day for no other reason than I had survived a day. And 5 p.m. signified that I was somehow done for the day and uncorking that bottle meant that I was just symbolically clocking off, out of service. Wine was my everything time. It was me time, go time, night time, weekend time, happy time, sad time, celebration time. It was supposed to always make me feel better and we always want to feel good, right? That's like the mission of the mind is to feel good. And therefore, I had also told myself that more must be better. So it was easy for me to see when other people had had too much to drink, but since I was often drinking at home after the kids went to bed, well, before they went to bed and after they went to bed, sometimes alone if my husband was working, watching Netflix, drinking, messing around the computer, um, that was a difficult gauge to make on myself to actually see the extent of my drinking because I had no one reflecting it back to me. Um, I would, however, if you hear little feet, that's my little ones. I would, however, receive like Amazon packages that I didn't quite remember ordering or like open my social media in the morning and see these strange comments or people I reached out to or whatever I'd done online. And, you know, I'd look outside and see that I'd smoked a couple cigarettes and it's not like I was blacked out and did these things, but I would wake up in the morning and be like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I did that last again and again and again and I think mostly what I was attached to was having something that was mine like my drinking was mine and it was like a little cocoon that I could get into and no one would be allowed to bother me and I never made plans to go anywhere or do anything past 5 p.m. that included me having to drive I would leave that to somebody else if I was going somewhere because I already knew that I would be drinking wine at least a bottle it wasn't even a plan that I made. It was just like a default mechanism. And part of me just assumed that I am a wino and this is the way it shall always be. And I woke up often enough feeling like, okay, you know, with funkiness and irritability, but fine, fine enough to shake it off or slough it off or do whatever I had to do to feel better so I could eat well and maybe go exercise and maybe do something that resembled some work and then go do it all over again. It was like the whole day was just set up to reset so I could drink again. And I justified this by insisting that this is how I relax and I have a bunch of kids and being a mom is so hard and I deserve to drink to unwind and I have to drink so I can deal with them and I just had all these stories. But I didn't even question any of these statements and nobody questioned me. It was just left alone. It was just, it, it was just an as is, this is as it is. Ah, so I might, uh, I should mention that I just kind of like fancy myself a fun and funny person and drinking goes really well with my personality. And for, you know, I'm outgoing. I like to be around people. I like to be social. I like to have people over to my house and, Alcohol is such a part of our social life, um, culturally. And so it was just something that was always around. There was always people. There was always drinks. There was always wine. And I was happy, and but not really. You know, like, happy, you tell yourself you're happy. But are you deeply fulfilled? And those, I think, are probably two different concepts. So to have fun, I had to have some wine to go with everything, like any activity event anyone coming over, anything and everything. Um, 
I, you know, anything I expected I would be doing, I expected there to be wine. <laughs> like I wouldn't even go to a restaurant that didn't serve wine. And I would walk around my neighborhood in the evening with wine in a mug and drink while folding the laundry and drink while working on my computer. And it was just embedded into almost every aspect of my life. And I didn't even realize that not only was I drinking every single night, like I did realize that, but was not an issue for me at the time. Seeing nothing wrong with that, spending almost $100 a week on my habit, sacrificing my sleep, spending the better part of most mornings just trying to recover. But my mental energy, like my thoughts, my thought processes, my mind was obsessed with drinking wine and how soon would it be acceptable for me to open my bottle? And if it wasn't in my house, what did I have to do to go out and get it? What kind of excuse did I have to make up to go to the store? Or would I have Uber Eats bring it over? How was I going to get my wine in my hands? There's a lot of mental power put into that. And I just felt so anxious and emotional. And I was often crying for no reason at all or couldn't even figure out why. And the simplest of things would just set me off and piss me off and overwhelm me. Like I hadn't, like I had no skin is what I felt like sometimes. Just so edgy. And I would get angry at my husband for trivial, meaningless things and, and tune him out, tune my kids out, and just let things crumble around me and feel bad for myself that people wouldn't leave me alone to enjoy my wine. <laughs> and I did not even think, like I would not even allow the possibility that maybe the drinking itself was my problem because it was my answer for everything. And I would defend that. And I didn't even want to examine any facet of my habit because that might mean that I would then have to be conscientiously doing something to change it. And I was not even willing to do that. But I still, I just didn't even want to see it. So in 2019, my third child was born in December. And the following summer when we were all locked up in our homes, that epic time, my husband and I managed to move internationally from California to his native Spain. And I found myself not only in a foreign land physically, but in a new mental state of reflecting on who I wanted to become in this lifetime. What did I want my life to be about? How did I want to be experiencing myself and all of this that I'd already created? My family, my career, where I was living, learning a new language. Did I want to be drunk mommy, emotionally unavailable to my kids and checked out from my husband? Did I want to be dependent on a drinking habit to manage my emotions, to get by? And so just living in a new environment, it became easier for me to start to see myself from a different perspective. But it's not like wine just became less available or customary. I mean, I live literally in the midst of vineyards in a country that pours more wine than water. So it wasn't like a drastic change in environment. It was more like my mental landscape was changing. And I was beginning to feel constrained by anxiety and irrational irritability, irritability, <laughs> and 
taking care of my kids and then citing them as the reason I was drinking so much, but also not having the energy or patience to get in deep with them and be compassionate and be curious about their worlds and be the most present parent that I could be, um, becoming aware that all of this was happening and what might be happening if I never changed. So except for my drinking habit and my 20-year smoking habit that I also quit with hypnotherapy, my party years were kind of behind me, although I was still drinking. Um, but simultaneously through all of this, I actually consider myself a healthy person. <laughs> I love to eat well and exercise and practice yoga. I was also a health coach. I am a health coach, a life coach, and a hypnotherapist. And I had this business where I was helping my clients navigate their depression, anxiety, their self-sabotaging behaviors. And yet, I would always just skirt around the drinking issue. I never asked anyone about it. I never asked people about their drinking habits. And I was just sensing a lot of hypocrisy in myself. And I felt like I was hiding. And that was creating way more stress and artificial problems in my life than were necessary. This drinking habit. And I started to see that there was really no problem outside of me, that I was creating it all. And it was this thing that I was so attached to, this drinking, drinking wine all the time. And would I be willing to be flexible with that and look at that? And where might I get support or help for that? And that's what I started thinking about. And that, like, we're funny like that, like humans, like we never want to be wrong about ourselves or to admit that we've been fucking up somehow and we'd like some help or support in changing. That, for some reason, is difficult for us. We just prefer to ignore or distort, generalize, delete any data that doesn't make us look good or confirm or validate what we already think we know. But this is precisely what keeps us stuck. And I suppose this could also be called like blissful ignorance or arrogance. It's like an attitude that we don't need to put in the effort to change and we can just persevere and just push through and things will just work themselves out and then it will all be over. But do we really want to live like that? What I have found is that this is not a very powerful way to go through life and in fact it is in the facing of these kinds of fears and realizing that we can just walk right through them to a state of real and profound freedom that makes us feel really and truly alive and capable of creating our lives on purpose, not being victims to circumstance. So how exactly did I do it? Well, first and foremost, I made this declaration out loud to another trusted person that I felt like I admitted to her, to myself, like I was drinking too much and that I had been for quite some time and that this was something that I was willing to look at changing. And that's where it started. Just saying that out loud, it felt so freeing. It felt very vulnerable and very honest. And it began to just crack open this pathway, this journey that I've been on of healing myself from addiction. And it's been the most fulfilling and rewarding event of my life, of my adult life so far. Um, I never thought that I would be this person <laughs> um, talking about 
healing from alcohol addiction because I was just loving to drink so much. So I totally get it. I, I, I can see it from both sides. And just to be clear, I'm not completely sober either. Um, I have a few drinks a day or two a week, but nothing like what I used to be where I just felt like it was all I could think about. It's actually the last thing I think about, and that is what I help my clients do too, is to move forward to that place where you can easily let it go altogether and just bring it down to a very comfortable minimum level. So in next week's episode, I will go further into the beginning stage process of how I cured myself of being an obsessive compulsive wino by using hypnotherapy, meditation, neuro-linguistic programming, and transformational life coaching techniques. It is all so fun and exciting, so be sure to follow the Mindful Drinking Method for Women podcast, and if you'd like to come hang out with me on my socials, those links are in the show notes. Have an awesome day, and remember that you can change. You can be and you are anyone that you tell yourself you are. Thank you for being here. See you soon.